Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and Siti Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. Business journalist Raman Yang is our guest this morning. City, mm-hmm. you had a thousand and seventeen questions. You know the um, this role of the central bank vis-a-vis the role of commercial banks. It, it, it's a, it, it's it has to be, and it always has been an ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. At what point does one feel that the central bank is overstepping their bounds or the mandate that they have? And at what point are they actually protecting the economy? And at what point are they protecting the citizenry? Mm-hmm. And on what point are the banks? simply seeking to do that which they do well, make money, mm. and make huge monies at that. I mean, it's a discussion that unless it's broken down, that one can understand where and what it is that the conversation ought to be to stabilize this thing. You see, I look at the huge profits our banks make on a yearly basis, mm. <laughs> and I go, hey, even when we, we have all these problems, you guys are still making these huge amounts of money. Now, of course, it isn't as though they are robbing the Wanainchi. No, no. Mm. They are trading with the government. That we understand. Because the government is probably their biggest trading partner. But when and it they're comes... Lending, they're lending a lot to government. Yes. Huge amounts of it. Yes. And the government are willing to pay. And it, 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 it's safe. For the banks, it's a good place to actually do, 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 do business. But on this issue of foreign exchange, are we saying that the central bank has not only overstepped the boundaries that are set for them, but they're the ones who have caused the problem. They have not helped the situation in many ways. So here's here's a couple of things. So initially, when, when there were conversations around what's going on in the FX market, why are we seeing a divergence between the rates that I get mm. as a, you know, as a buyer of FX when I go into my bank versus what I'm supposedly seeing being reported on trading platforms, Bloomberg, Reuters, and so on and so forth. Mm. And... One of the first missteps that I remember happening was in, I believe it was Q4 2020, there was an analyst report that was put out that sort of tried to explain. This was from Stanbic Bank. Uh, it was actually written by the Standard Bank, um, so the parent company, um, Economic Research Desk. And they basically explained exactly what was going on. There's a divergence in the market. There's a fear of putting up you know, proper prices uh, of trades that are happening on the pr- trading platform for fear of retaliation from the central bank. Mm. The net effect of that is that it's creating this other quote-unquote, it's moving trades to the bank client side. So those essentially will not necessarily get um, updated on, 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 on the trading platform. When you get to a point where a tier one bank here puts out a statement, a full-page statement, in the papers, disowning analyst reports from its own teams. Mm. The impression you're giving is that we will brook no dissent on this matter. You will not speak about this at all. Step one. Step two, when the central bank um, was being asked about these things in monetary policy committee um, discussions, yeah, by reporters, the response was, what dollar shortage are you people talking about? What dollar shortage? There's no dollar shortage. Which one? It's you people who are creating this problem. Now, the impression that that essentially creates in the market is that we have a regulator who's either disengaged completely from the reality of the matter or they're simply not interested in dealing with the problem as it is. So the way the central bank handled this in the last 
two, three years certainly has not helped matters because people will see that. A regulator who's saying there's no problem at all, then they go to their bank and they say, hang on, I'm looking for $100,000. Can you find it for me? And the bank says, uh, no, hmm. we don't have that cash now. And the net result of that is that people say, okay, um, I'm going to vote with my wallet. And what have they done? You dollarize. Or in some cases, as is the case with the stock market, every time we speak to equity investors or bond investors here, their number one question is always, what's your dollar situation like? Will I actually get paid? It's a big concern. And the way this thing has been handled by the central bank has not helped. What is the advantage to not speaking the truth about the situation economically? In the short run, you're essentially trying to sort of hope the problem might be transit and might go away. Mm -hmm. The problem is this. Here we're dealing with a confluence of factors and, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's a macro dimension to all of this. Mm. Um, 2020, pandemic hits, demand for virtually everything shuts down, right? We're not driving as much, uh, so fuel demand goes down, uh, fertilizer demand goes down, import demand goes down. So import demand goes down, that helps the dollar, takes mm. a, sorry, our exchange rate, it helps the shilling, takes the pressure off the exchange rate. But once you start reopening things, 2021, 2022, mm. demand for that fuel, demand for jet fuel, for petrol, for diesel, for fertilizer, for imported goods, it all goes up. So now you have this surge in demand that you need to meet, right? And your dollar inflows are not necessarily where they were mm. because portfolio investors would have looked at the Kenyan stock market and said, eh, in the pandemic, do I really want to have my money parked up in some random frontier market somewhere? Probably better mm. off parking it in another emerging market, Vietnam, for example, mm. which is often, you know, mentioned in peer comparisons. Nigeria is not as, as a favorite now because similar problems. Mm. And the net result of that is, you know, people decide I'm going to move my cash out. But in the long run, you know, you can only maintain that, that illusion for so long at some point the illusion starts to break mm. because today the argument that the central bank will make is no no but we have a functioning market you know if you go to your bank you can meet these orders mm. but as you say the, the proof is in the pudding and manufacturers that i speak to say <laughs> we're still struggling to find the dollars we need to meet our daily requirements is the hoarding component one that should be i mean so saying in terms of you know <laughs> flow mm. there is none mm. Isn't that what we're saying? And there is, there is some flow, flow. if if certain things if, happen if at, at a decent price, right? And uh, that's the problem. There's no price discovery, so people will be like, "No, I'm not going to flood. I'm not going to come into the market." Say, for example, as a tea farmer, right, or a custodian of tea farmers' finances, and offload dollars into the market at whatever the official rate is, one thirty nine or one thirty nine or nine something, which was I think was yesterday's number. Um, yet I know that there are people I can sell it to at 145, 146, as I would not be meeting my account holders' interests mm. by leaving money on the table. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And individually, that makes sense. From a macro perspective, it looks like hoarding mm. because essentially what I would be doing is holding on to this cash mm. yeah. because I know there's, an, there's a prospect for a better return. Right. But it isn't hoarding. It's just price discovery simply isn't there. No. It's clear when you're looking at it at this point, then it's clear really what is happening then in the market. Mm -hmm. And then that could then again, it uh, lends to the reasons as to why you would have, you know, certain dips and, you know, bumps in the economy here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't take away the forex aspect from all of this. We cannot. Mm -hmm. It all lends to the economy conversation. Yep. These are different threads then that would make up the forecast. And then again, the question is, who then is advising? Before we hear these things that are being said, who then advises? And are these components of that advice? Being paid attention to. I, I, I don't think so. Because, you know, being, being, being a central banker is, is it's an extraordinarily precarious 
hugely important job and part of the job involves telling very unpleasant truths to the executive because fiscal policy right so spending and taxing versus monetary policy money supply interest rates yeah. they need to work together mm-hmm. most of the time but that does not by default imply that monetary policy is supposed to be a slave essentially of the, to physical. the physical side right and if you look at the the bigger picture right mm. let's let's even ignore you know currency inflows and currency outflows let's mm. ignore the fact that we've got our structural issues mm. our exports tea coffee horticulture whatever have not really been we're still sort of stuck in the same model that we've had um basically going back to the 90s mm. and manufacturing back then was a much bigger portion of gdp in the last 10 years it shrunk to something under 8% so the whole dream about you know going to become a manufacturing powerhouse clearly never happened let's put that to the side if you look at what has happened on the fiscal side right that entire period of low rates easy money from mm. 2008 to around 2020. Mm. You could go into the market as a frontier country and mm. say, "Hey guys, I want to borrow a billion dollars." Mm. And people would literally give you you, you ask for a billion. Here's four. <laughs> you ask for a billion. Mm. It's, it's not four. Give you four. Mm. Every single bond issuance from some subscribers. In fact, actually all of our bids, uh, all of our euro bonds oversubscribed. Yep. The lot of them. The Kenyan government basically went on this massive fullizing spree mm. and we didn't fullize in shillings. Because if you fully said in shillings, this affects our money and okay. it's an issue. Right. We fully said in dollars, right? Now if you think about say for example the rail line, yeah. right? When those deals were signed, the dollar shilling rate was 85, mm. right? Today, realistically, 140. So, in shilling terms, your debt load has moved up by almost by 40%. Percent, right? Mm. It's huge. And if you're on the fiscal side if you're a central banker you'd probably ask eh, guys you know the sensible thing to do here would be to renegotiate yeah right yeah. some of these loans try and figure out a way of making sure that your debt service costs do not overwhelm you but in our context in our political context and it's not just a Kenya problem mm. it's a Ghana problem it's a Nigeria problem it's you know most other countries Are you willing to actually have those conversations in public? Because uh, between themselves, I'm pretty sure that some of these conversations may They're have been had. Mm. But even if they have, as a central banker, you probably would not come out into the public domain and say, uh, "This is what I've said yeah, to I've, the executive." I've, I've advised the national treasury to actually consider one, two, three. Or we disagree with the executive on this, that, and the other. Mm. Because again, optics matter. But at some point, you have to start asking yourself, what's more important? the long term economic stability and the painful medicine that we have to essentially take versus and in this case it would be you know the unpleasant truths let the currency actually float properly unfortunately the net effect of that is your debt service is going to be a so because of the political stick that the fiscal side has mm-hmm. we can say that the fiscal side is basically controlling the monetary side essentially and on paper that should not be the case because it should be like a counterbalance yeah because you, there's a reason why the central bank if if we appoint you a central bank governor there's a reason why you essentially have security in that position mm. because you know central bank governor we tend to think of 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 that position as as being very you know staid boring dealing with a whole bunch of numbers and most of us don't understand mm. it's an extraordinarily important role central bank governors with with the words that they they utter can wreck economies yeah. and they're justifiably very cautious in some of the things that they end up saying and doing and the reason why at least in our case we have security of tenure 
you know, for, 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 for central bank government, it can just be removed for frivolous reasons. You're not going to pull a Lemido Sanusi on you here, as, you know, which is what happened in Nigeria, I think mm. around 2014. The reason you have that is so that, you know, you can actually have the room to make these difficult calls. Mm. And in our case, there are difficult calls to be made. There's uh, what's been in the news lately is the central bank introducing a new forex code. What does that mean? Basically, sort of rules of the road. So you have to trade in a certain way. You have to keep. I mean, some of them is is is, is basic housekeeping stuff that, in mm-hmm. some cases, banks have already been um, working on. So, for example, if I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an FX trader, mm. and CT is my client, I cannot communicate to him on WhatsApp. <laughs> No, no. We're, we're negotiating a deal. I'll tell you, okay, this this is what is on offer. Mm. This is what I have available. Mm. This is a spread. This is a markup I'm charging you. I have to make these things, these full disclosures to him on an approved trading platform. Mm-hmm. So either I'm communicating that on email or I'm communicating that on a trading platform, be it Bloomberg or the one that you know used to be part of Reuters, Refinitiv. Mm. Keep your records properly. Mm. Um, have a clear mechanism for all these records to be um, to be accessible, not just to you within the bank and your auditors, but also to the regulator. Yes, mm-hmm. and of course to your bank board as well. The market has had a slightly um, surprised reaction though to, to the introduction of the code. I mean, it was telegraphed because if you look at the 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 letter of intent mm. that uh, the governor, the, the, the current finance CS, uh, Professor Njoroge sent over to the IMF, um, I believe it was late last year, they basically said, look, here's the code that we're going to introduce. It is based on, you know, the global effects code that the Bank for International Settlements um, has worked on mm. or rather has helped to develop. And the beef that the market has now is they're saying, hang on, this thing is introduced on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. We're told the effective date is also the 23rd. Mm-hmm. But then you have full, you have to essentially get it into full implementation by the end of the year. Mm. And the market is like, where was consultation? So they're like, saying there was no public participation. No, well, I mean, for them, <laughs> it's not even a question of public <laughs> participation <laughs> as such. But it's like, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and it's just, okay, here are the rules. From today, mm. these yeah. are the rules. And you have and the, you're on the, the, next, the next <laughs> eight months to fully comply. Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, like me saying, okay, I'm changing the offside rules mm. and we've already started playing. Yes. Mm. So that, that's raised a few eyebrows in the banking sector. Okay. Um, whether or not it'll actually change things, um, I'm yet to be convinced. And, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I think that the, 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 the shortening of spreads that you're talking about, because it's seen the spreads, you know, at around 10, 11 shillings. Yes. I think yesterday I looked at some of the numbers, it was narrowing to around eight or so. The narrowing of spreads would probably have a bit more to do with trying to take off some of that immediate demand for dollars from the oil market because mm. our biggest import component really is fuel, right, mm. every month. But even that deal, the one that Chirchir and Co. have struck, there, there are a couple of questions on around that because what that seems to do is essentially remove the, the dollar demand from being an immediate thing now. And you're and pushing it, it. Yeah, you're just pushing it out to like six months. So you're not, mm. and then moving the FX risk from, rather the responsibility to, to find those dollars from oil marketing companies, you're then pushing that FX risk onto banks' books because they're the ones who are issuing those letters of credit. Mm. So if you're a fuel retailer here, no biggie. See, so you're making, you're billing your customers in shillings. Yep. Grab the shillings, but Rama, pay your bank. The question that has to be asked is now, again, I'm, I'm going back to the question I asked. Is a central bank within the dictates of the mandate that it has? Mm. Because the 2010 constitution is clear about its role. 
Mm-hmm. Are they really doing what they're supposed to do or have they moved outside the mandate that is given to them? Why don't I read it so that we understand what we're talking about? All right. According to Article 231 of the Constitution of Kenya 2010, mm-hmm. the bank is responsible for formulating monetary policy to achieve and maintain price stability and issuing currency. And also, they're supposed to implement monetary policy decisions, manage the country's foreign exchange reserves, and manage the country's domestic debt. Kofupi. In short. Mm. That, that managing the dom- country's domestic debt side is is, is always an interesting one. Um, they can do that because they're essentially the, the government's banking agent. Um, they're, the, they're the country's banker. Essentially. Yes, they are. It's they one are. of the rules. They also have an... Ob- and when you talk about price stability, and price stability is always... Now, the bone of contention, right, related to what we're dealing with now in the FX market. Yes, you may want to have price stability, but price stability by producing what effectively are controls on the market, you're not fixing the problem, okay. you're creating another problem. They're also the bank of last resort, and they're, bank, they're the bank for bankers. So, yes. okay, bank to so the government, bank to the bankers. Mm-hmm. Are they failing the bankers in their role of being their banker? Banks would say that by trying to artificially control the exchange rates, they're not doing their job. (laughs) (laughs) Because remember, remember, as a member of the IMF, right, we also have an obligation to essentially ensure that we're not running a fixed exchange rate. Yeah, who sets these rules? <laughs> we signed up to these things. Yeah, yeah but who sets these rules? Do, is there public participation? These rules are set by, by IMF and but fixed. World. Fixed can be, you know. Fixed can be fixed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Even the fixed uh, can be so fixed. So the, the law can be changed because <laughs> the law is very clear. Yeah. <laughs> we can fix it. It's a problem. We can fix it. <laughs> How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.